Welcome back. This is the 52 Weeks to Wealth, Wealth Principle 34. Um, Wealth Principle 34 is accept what can't be changed and create an advantage. The reason this principle is so powerful is because we're in the middle of a recession literally right now. <laughs> now, of course, this principle has always been a valuable tool for real estate investors because we're always accepting that there's a challenge. We're, we either don't have the money, we don't have a deal, or we don't have the labor to get a job done, and we're looking to solve that for ourselves and then solve for somebody else. In real estate, you have two choices. One, make money, or two, let somebody else make money. Hence, can't feel there's money in this business. That's what we do here. There's money everywhere. So if you choose to take the calling, you choose to rise up, then you must accept that there are going to be problems then you must be able to find a creative way to create an advantage for that person who's got the problem. Whether it's the seller that you're purchasing the property from or the investor who's putting their capital with you because their big problem is, I don't know where else to put my capital that I trust that would make a good return on investment. We're going to first start with how to identify a challenge and then accept that there is a challenge, accept that there is a problem. It may be in your life, maybe in the market, it may be in uh, your sellers or your clients' lives, but you must be able to accept it and present it to them. And then on the other side, how to create that advantage. How We're going to go through four steps on how to actually create an advantage in real estate, just specific to real estate. When people say, you can't make more money with less work, clearly they haven't seen how money is actually made. Sometimes going in a direction with momentum and getting streamlined will actually allow you less effort and more speed at the same time. Wealth principle 34 is accept what can't be changed and create an advantage. The first step is identifying the silver lining. Now, I know that sounds obvious, and I also know it sounds hard to do. Who here has been in a situation where it was really hard to identify the silver lining? You're so caught up in the emotions that it's like, man, like this is literally the worst thing in my life. Every client has pain. That's why we're there solving problems. If you can put yourself into that emotional state, slow down, feel the emotion, speak a little slower, you're going to be able to build a deeper relationship with them, one. And then two, you have to start there in order to identify silver lining. You can't just be the person to be like, yeah, but it's all good because that breaks rapport very quickly. So when you're identifying silver lining, like for example, this person has been in their house for let's say 30 years, their husband passed away, the house is in disrepair, the roof is leaking, the bank is foreclosing because they're only making $700 a month and their mortgage payment is $800 a month. So they don't even have money for food. They're in a situation that seems impossible. So if you could put yourself there, you might want to point out after putting yourself there and saying, I can agree, I understand this is a pretty bad situation. Wow, this is not good. So what would it be like if you didn't have to pay for this mortgage anymore? If this house was no longer a challenge for you, if you had now the 150 or the $200,000 in your pocket today, how long would that money last you, especially if you're able to put it into an account that maybe paid you every single month or you know something that paid you 8% interest? Uh, by the way, who knows? You could raise capital from your sellers. Absolutely. So 8% interest would be an extra $16,000 a year on a $200,000 property of loan. So like, would that be helpful to you? And then you'd be able to get assistance, maybe Section 8, because your income is low enough to apply for a Section 8 and get housing vouchers. Would that make your life significantly better? And usually the answer is yes. That's the silver lining. Now, like I said, you don't point over the head like, yeah, you got it's got to be so much better. You've got to ask those questions wean them into the understanding. Number one is identify the silver lining. The second step is making sure that you focus on what you can control. There are some things you cannot control, like the economy. Like that thing's just going to keep tumbling along the way it is and hopefully evens out eventually. But in order for it to be a healthy 
bump, it, this kind of has to go for a little while, right? The stock market, the crypto markets, and eventually the real estate market are going to have to stretch at a lower point for a little while in order for it to be a healthy change in the market. When you go straight up for too long, eventually you get these these bumps. If you go long enough, you can get a nice long run. But if you drop fast and drop back up, things get out of control and people's lives really get shattered. So having a nice little lull, believe it or not, is a good thing. But we can't control that. What we can control is how many hours we put in a day to solving other people's problems. What we can control is making decisions instead of saying, I'll figure it out later. By the way, Dr. Terry Wager is famous for saying you can't figure anything out because anything you try to figure out is just using information you already have. And so a decision could have already been come to. Quit taking your own bad advice. It's it's the truth because there is no figuring out. There is only decision. Not everybody in this group, but most people will allow decision after decision after decision to build up, build up, build up. Now they got a dozen decisions out of the mind. They're walking around saying, man, I got so much on my plate. And when they sit into a mentorship call with me or a coaching call, I'm asking, okay, what do you got on your plate? What are the big challenges? And it's really like one or two things but they've got all these little decisions that they haven't made that are piling up on top of them, making them emotionally incapable of making a decision. Has anybody experienced analysis paralysis before? Too many thoughts in your head. You're like you're walking around with all this heavy baggage. Nobody can see it except for you, but your eyes are downcast and, and you're, you're focused on things that could have easily been controlled. Decisions within your own life, what to wear, what to, what to say in the morning. I don't have to think about it. I grab the same shirt every single day. One powerful decision you can make is show up on an appointment, make a phone call, put in an offer. These are powerful decisions that can really have an impact on your life. Reach out to an investor, say yes to taking their money, put money to work. These are decisions that you can control. The economy can't stop you. We're catching this. You can't control the rain, but you can control how much you make it rain. Step three is pursuing community. When times are tough, when things get rough, you've got to find a place where things are calmer, where things aren't as chaotic as your mind. If you've been in a situation where you're feeling down or depressed, the first instinct is to retreat, to hide, to get away from other people. That is exactly when we dive into relationships. That's exactly when we as a human society need other people who are in the right state. Now, it is not the place to go to, you know, the Mori Povich show. That, like, that would be a terrible, and by the way, this is what motivated sellers do. They fall into a rut, they're staying inside themselves, they're avoiding other people, and then they start watching negativity on the TV, they start watching the news, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. But when you extrovert, when you pursue community, we're here to grow, we're here to expand, we're here to get to the next level. Hence, can't if you're feeling that energy right now, it's like, dude, we're doing something here. So pursuit of community is how you get people to be in a healthier state of mind, especially when it's us, when it's ourselves, getting out in front of other people who have similar goals, similar ambitions, similar things that they want to do. If you find that your person you're talking to doesn't have community, there's a good chance they won't stick with whatever decision you're making with them. So it's very important for if you're raising capital for real estate investors, you're, you're talking to investors, 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 it's very important to get them together into a state where they're all excited about investing. They're all excited about the capital that they're getting from you. It's wonderful to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations. I, th I do think there's time for that, but it's far more leverageable if you can get all your investors into a room and then talk about the great deal that you're doing. Even if the deal is going sideways, as long as you can put some silver lining on it, right? You can still bring that group into a positive state. Like, man, like I'm so glad I'm invested with this person because she's bringing these deals to me and, and they're making it, even though things went bad, this person knows how to solve the problems, right? Like people are invested in Melanie. It's like, okay, like Melanie knows what she's doing. She's getting the deal going. She's turning it around. Pursue community, create community. If you don't have one, if it isn't there, create something. Number four, well, it says three here, but it is four. 
improve conditions for others. For some reason, when things are not working in an economy, there is more money to be made for the people who are suffering the most. So as we're looking at you know challenges within this recession, there are going to be people who are literally ready and willing to hand their properties off because their finances have uh, been dramatically reduced. Those components, if you're seeking constantly to improve their conditions, and the worse the condition, the more you're looking to improve it, the more money you're going to make. This is another way of saying add value to others. I just I just hate the add value thing because it's been used so many times, people forgot the, what it actually means. And it means improve conditions for others. Make somebody's life better because you showed up, because you're there. You follow these four steps and you're going to start taking advantage of of challenges. You're going to start looking at challenges saying, man, there's money to be made here. Now, of course, don't say that in front of somebody who's having the challenge. And challenges have created millionaires for me. So for me, I see a recession. I think, my God, this is the best time of my life. Next, we're going to jump into taking advantage. Step one is study your competition. So as real estate investors, we have competitors all around us. Now, I don't like the word competition, but it does work because that's what you're thinking as soon as you think, okay, somebody else is investing, somebody else is a realtor, somebody else does uh, capital raising, the thing that I do. Study what they do, study their marketing message. How are they reaching out to people? How are people being drawn into their funnel? Study the competition. How is their marketing messaging working? What are they saying to their clients? What are the things their clients are saying about them afterwards? If they've had a really good experience, why is it that they liked working with that investor and what could I do? What could I change in my model? Sometimes investing in other people's deals has given me more information about how I can be a better operator in transactions. In fact, that's one of the reasons we invest in other people's projects because I'm learning what is it that people liked about the syndicator, this particular syndicator, their documents, how they reach out to people. It's a you can learn from your competition. There is really no competition. They're just people you're, you're learning from or working with. Step two is, and this is slightly different, learn how your competition structures their deals. Learn how the competition structures their deals. My mentor used to say to me, he's like, Walter, why do you train your competition? I'd be like, bro, like I'm not training my competition. I'm training my replacements because <laughs> I don't plan on doing this forever. So at some point, somebody's going to have to come in and do all these things. And I want them to be well-trained to do the, the right work. And here's the other thing. I can't buy all the real estate, right? It's not possible. You can't actually buy everything. And when I realized that I couldn't buy it all and I didn't want to buy it all. I really just wanted to do well for myself and take care of my tenants and serve the people I was buying from, the landlords I was buying from, and just kind of have fun and do what I was doing. It made it a lot easier to teach others and train others. But side effect of training others was that I now had partners, the potential for partners. I had now deals coming my way from people who didn't couldn't take down a deal in their normal model, but worked from my model. The way a competitor structures deals is how I've learned how to do subject to seller financing, listen to bigger pockets, listen to my mentors. In fact, I never considered buying an LLC from another investor until my mentor said, this is how I purchased this property. And so Karen, if you know, there's a lot of ways to buy property, like learn how people are structuring deals. Another one is if I can't sell your house, I'll buy it. And then underneath it says, you know, we got to agree to the price, mutually both agree to the price. But that marketing message got so many people through his front door. It made me think I should start saying that. Realtors, if you can't sell their property for the right price, you'll buy the house. It's Use that marketing. It works. Just make sure you got a little line on it that says you got to agree to the same price. So study what your competitors are doing to structure deals. Number three, your marketing should never stop ever. We're constantly marketing. We're constantly reaching out to new houses. We're constantly reaching out to new wholesalers, new realtors. We're constantly reminding them, follow up messages. That's what Alchemist Connect is all about. That 
constant reminder, constant marketing, new messages going out, new new phone numbers being added, new stories being told, new voicemails being dropped. Because if I stop, I might run out of deals one day. And that is the most dangerous thing that could ever happen to a real estate investor. Has anybody ever run out of deals before and realized, oh my God, my marketing, why did I ever stop this? Because it takes two, three months to ramp up sometimes. Keep the marketing running at all times. In fact, we get asked, how do you keep an eye on the market? How do you know what's going on? Why haven't you bought something or are you buying something? The answer is always yes. We're always marketing. We're always asking for more deals. We're always looking for more real estate to buy. If you don't see me buying, it's just because I haven't found a deal that works the way I want to work. But the marketing never turns off. We're still wholesaling or we're still listing properties. We're still passing the deals off to other people. But when it comes down to like, should I stop marketing? The answer is always no. Keep going especially in a time like this. In a moment of recession, you're going to see that deals for a while won't make sense. In fact, a couple of our clients are in it with us and we're, we're marketing, we're pushing hard and we're getting these, these mediocre deals. They're not, you know, home runs. We got a couple of good ones. We've negotiated seller financing and not bringing any money to the table, but the home runs are going to be further and far between as the interest rates of the Fed rise. This is the time to still be marketing because when things turn and sellers' prices adjust, the people who've been marketing for the last three months, six months, are the ones that are going to be doing work with people. The ones who just start, who people have never heard of before, never talked to before, deals aren't going to go to those people. Hence, can't recognize it. It goes to the person they have the deepest relationship with, the longest knowledge, the most amount of time. Be marketing now for deals that may happen three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. Some of the best deals we've done were years, year-long deals to one deal that we almost did, didn't do, but it was one of our best deals that we ever put under agreement. We were purchasing for half a million dollars that would have been worth $8 million when fully finished. We're talking about a three to $4 million profit after the renovations were done. That was from a three-year relationship, from marketing and continuing that relationship and keeping going. Never, ever turn off your marketing. Step four, for creating an advantage in real estate, build your foundation. Continue to build, continue to refocus. This is something my mentor has been focusing really hard on these last two years. He said, man, Stabilize, 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 reinvest, fix the tenants, fix the units, do an attic, do a basement, maybe charge for parking spaces now. Getting back into the, the firm base of deepening his relationships. This is what he's been focusing on the last few years. He said deepening relationships, going out, reaching out, making sure people know who I am, making sure I've got goodwill. He said, I'm in a very good position, so I'm just putting goodwill out there. So when it is time to go and operate again in a big way, all the deals start flowing. I want to make sure the banks love me. I want to make sure the people who sell me properties love me. I want to make sure my tenants love me because those are the ones paying for all the bills right now. And I want to make sure that I have a good reputation when I am taking on new tenants. Hence, can if you recognize you got to build the foundation all the time, constantly repairing, constantly fixing it. Because if you build a foundation that is flimsy in real estate, you build it on sand. As you start growing, it puts more pressure on the bottom. This thing will fall apart like a house of cards. Building that foundation now during a recession is the best time to do it. Because once things get busy, you're not going to have time to do this. You're not going to have time to go back and check your system. You don't want to switch property management software in the middle of a busy acquisition cycle. And if you can imagine why, right? Moving 50 tenants over, 100 tenants over, in the middle of acquiring 50 new tenants with a new system, your property manager will kill you and you might lose money. Money might slip through the cracks. Opportunities might get lost. Tenants might get forgotten. Rent may not get collected. And then evictions may be slowed down. There's a lot of things that can go wrong if you don't have a very solid, firm foundation, which is why it's important to pick your software early on. It's important to pick software, learn it, make sure the software can scale with you. When I started investing, I got very lucky with one software. 
but I did terrible in my CRM software. I just jumped from CRM to CRM, 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 CRM. And I had a hard time with ever, you know, keeping my systems together. Cause every time I jumped into CRM, I had to write new scripts. I had to write new texts. I had to write new workflows. I had to write new emails. But one system I did very well with early on was Buildium. I chose, I had three units. I put in this big software that could go up to hundred units because I was thinking long-term. I was like, I don't ever want to have to shift this. And fortunately after years, I still haven't had to shift it. We still use Buildium. Hence came for recognize that saved me thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of hours, not having to stress or worry about things. So as you're going forward through these next you know, few months, through this next year, as we're getting closer to the summit, I want you keeping in mind that this challenge that the world is facing, these inflation components, these interest rate components, these inflated prices, the fact that sellers still aren't letting go of their properties, there's a lot of challenge in the marketplace that is actually opportunity. We have noticed that the subject to conversation is happening way more often now. We've noticed that the seller financing conversation is happening way more often now. And that these investors, these owners are extremely open to having these conversations. Thankfully, interest rates are higher. That means when you talk to a motivated seller, they're like, you know what? 6% interest sounds reasonable. Sounds like something I can make money off because they're paying in other places. And when you have to talk to a seller and they say, see, the mortgage is going to be 5 or 6%. They're like, wow, mine's in a 2% or a 3%. Maybe you would be advantaged by taking over my existing mortgage. Hands the camera if you're catching this. We're getting into a sweet spot in real estate where these opportunities weren't so strong a few years ago, but coming into this area, you're going to have a lot more options for creative financing. What is the book of the week? Hello, everybody. It's uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Darina's holding it up. This could be the most important book that we uh, pick in the 52 weeks, especially if you're a certain type of person who falls into like analysis paralysis or or doesn't leap. This book is just chock full of, of advice on how to negotiate and not negotiate in, in a negative sense, but in a, in a way that's kind of a win-win for everyone, but it certainly keeps you in control. So if you've ever jumped into a, a negotiation and felt that you were drowning because you were not anywhere near where you want to be. This book is just amazing. Every chapter has advice uh, that's just unbelievable. Mirroring, helping the other person getting to, to where they're going. It's just so full. It's a it's a very dense book. It's amazing. I think of it as, you know, a lot of books we read are fun. This one is just, in, in my mind, is just important. It's just so helpful in so many ways. So amazing book. Highly recommend it. Go get it or listen to it on Audible. The book of the week. We read 52 books a year. That's one book per week. And the reason we do it is because that knowledge applies to the principle. We spend one whole week applying each principle into our businesses so that the next week we apply the next one. It should not. It cannot. It will not take you more than a week to apply each one of these principles. Hence, can't you recognize this is true. You apply it and then you move on to the next one. This way, at the end of a year, you have put everything in place that could double your income, double your net worth. If you miss one, results may vary. And scan free, understand that's how things work. That's how systems work. <laughs>